When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter, to west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Kat Napsok for a post-Comic-Con edition and did we learn anything at Comic-Con? Well, we learned the fans can be rough. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. If you're in Comic-Con and you're recovered, my voice is is almost back. That, that got nothing to do with Comic-Con. I mean, some late nights for sure didn't help, but definitely screaming at the audience of the live movie trivia showdown had its effect. We're here broadcasting on a very hot day. Why do I say that? Uh, I mean, it's probably really hot where you are, too. I just occasionally you might hear an air conditioning behind me. Uh, I'm not going to turn it off today because we're not in Westeros or Essos. I have this luxury. We're doing a lot of what-ifs here on Casterly Talk, taking your calls through the Anchor app. You can leave a message and talk about uh, one of your favorite what-ifs about the series, something to ponder and uh, questions to come out of that. we got some great calls today. It's just me again. Thomas, Andres, Rachel, Lawn. Yeah, they're all out there waiting to talk Game of Thrones, including some other special guests. All that's lined up. I'm also in the process of moving my studio, so that makes it a little hard to bring in guests. They can't step over these boxes. Hi, boxes. All right. I want to dive in right away, uh, right away with some what-ifs. We've got some two great ones. Really uh, like these ideas here coming across. Let's dive into this first one from our friend, Scribbler. Hey, Ken, this is Jeff Saunders, uh, Scribbler, and I was recently listening to your What If episode, and I have a What If question. Uh, We know from way back in the beginning of the the book series and also the first season of the show uh, that the seed is strong. And this is, uh, as we know, refers to Robert Baratheon and his offspring. Uh, and their characteristics, namely their dark hair. So I was wondering, is there any indication that uh, Robert and Lyanna Stark had any kind of physical relationship? Um, And that maybe uh, Lyanna doesn't actually know who John's father is. Could he turn out to be a Baratheon? Uh, I think that would be a huge swerve. And honestly, uh, in the books, I can't remember anything that really points to him definitively being a Targaryen. Uh, love to hear what you think about this and see where this rabbit trail takes us. Keep up the good work. Thanks. All right, Scribbler with a very fun what if, uh, though I can hear some people already saying, but, 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 yeah, but let's, let's play this out. This is what the what ifs here. Uh, what if, what if uh, Leanna Stark did have some uh, relations with Robert Baratheon and uh, maybe Jon Snow was his and maybe he was... F- uh, he did have another heir. He's another one of the king's bastards. Look, I, I, it's it's not the case. It's not been wrapped up in the books. But by going uh, with the show, we get a clear, very clear picture. Uh, thanks to Bran and the Three Eyed Raven going back in time. Got to go back in time. Uh, we could see Lannister Stark 
Rhaegar get married, uh, and you got a good sense that uh, Lyanna was very much aware of uh, who the father was. But hey, it's not a sweet science out there. You got some maester with some chains telling you what's what. I I think the biggest with what ifs too we're not we don't want to shut what ifs down we want to play them out and, and take the story where they uh where your mind will go so we're going to do that in a second there but you know i i got the sense about from robert brathian we're going to we're going to i mentioned last week we're going to do a bigger dive into robert brathian at some point very soon because i just think he's a fascinating character i always got the sense even from early on, when I was watching season one, and I wasn't as familiar with the story, you know, by the end of season one, that summer after season one, books, maps, I was I was knee deep in it there. But watching through season one and going on my gut reactions, Robert Baratheon seemed like a guy who uh, there was some unrequited love going on in a time when uh, that didn't matter, where, uh, where marriages were arranged. I say in a time like it's real, but you know what I mean in a world where this uh, unrequited love didn't matter. As long as the marriage was arranged, you're good to go, right? But here was Robert, I think, I, again, we, this is going off. I love this uh, Robert Brathen stuff. It goes off the conversation we were having uh, previously where I I really, I really think Robert Brathian was more aware of what was going on in Leanna's heart than he tells everyone and, and let's on. And he started a war for her. And we know it was uh, it was under false pretenses. This idea, this this spin that that, that was put on the story of Rhaegar uh, kidnapping and 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 forcing himself upon Lyanna. Um, and there again, how do they know that? You know, um, it was spin, and Rhaegar probably didn't care. Um, but I think Robert might have known. In my mind, I, and I don't know. I don't know if we have this if the definitive answer exists, or or if we'll ever get it. I love to scour some George R. R. Martin interviews. I still think, and I don't see. I don't see Robert as a as a bad and evil character. He's he's complicated, like all the characters in Game of Thrones. I still think he was aware. I still think he kind of knew on some level, and it was unrequited love. It was it was anger of rejection. One of those men who can't handle it. And he started a war. So what if? Scribbler's question. What if? The seed is strong. The seed is definitely strong. Jon Snow. No Targaryen blonde or silver hair. No purple eyes, especially if you're looking at the books. What if uh, What if it happened? What if there's a chance that uh, something had happened with Robert? Again, I don't think that's the case, but it would have changed everything because I don't think Ned, upon getting this information, again, maybe Lyanna doesn't know, so she says Targaryen. Let's say Ned finds it out, and Jon Snow is, is Robert's bastard. Would he, for lack of a better term, turn him in? Hey, yay, Robert, sorry, miscommunication. Here's the paperwork filed wrong. Uh, here's another one of your kids. And even then, would Robert have said, great, good, hold him. Now, this would have happened after the war. I still think the war would have gone on. But it would have changed the game with Ned. Would Ned have been as concerned with 
preserving the safety of Daenerys Targaryen upon uh, that choice being put in front of him or that idea being put in front of him. I still think, and I think it's not a far leap and, and stretch of the imagination, that that Ned was very much opposed to the destruction of Daenerys Targaryen, one, just on his base level uh, morality, the idea of uh, sending assassins to kill a girl, um, young girl to the to them at the time, ah, not didn't, didn't, wasn't going to sit well with Ned anyways. But fueled by, of course, his buddy Robert, Good old Rob wants to kill every Targaryen left in the land, and there's not a left, not a lot left. Two remaining, not counting Aemon. And Ned just wanted to extend that protection. But the idea that uh the idea that uh, that that Ned if Ned had known, I think it would have changed the game a lot. It's fun. It's a fun little what if. It's out there. That's why we do this. So, Scribbler, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts uh, on you, uh, what you think, uh, uh, and anyone out there. Again, uh, looking at uh, looking at it, uh, we pretty much know who Jon Snow's parents are, where he comes from now, much to George R. R. Martin's chagrin. I mean, I think in some level he'd still like the uh, world to be wondering right now when his book comes out. All right, we got a great one here from our pal, Vic. Let's dive into this one here. Hey, Ken, it's Vic. Just checking in. I really love these what-if questions because it reminds me of something I've been thinking a lot about, and that's what's the biggest mistake made by one of the Game of Thrones characters? And after three or four rewatches, I keep coming back to that moment in Season 3 when Rob beheaded Rickard Karstark. To me... That might be the worst mistake in the show because, in my opinion, it was the most unnecessary. I think the psychology of Rob in that moment was so headstrong in showing that he was worthy of being a king and his father's son that he forgot the practicality of what he was doing. Even his wife, his mother, his bannermen advised him against it because they knew it would cost him the war. And can't help but think that if that never happened, then the Red Wedding might have never occurred. The Starks could have won the War of the Five Kings. Sansa would have never been taken hostage. And who knows about Arya? So would love to hear your thoughts. All right, Vic, with a what if and slash worst mistake, which I love. I love those talks as well. The worst mistakes of characters, especially in something like Game of Thrones or, or Star Wars. Uh, when you got wars going, you can uh, break down these decisions and really, really analyze them there. Yeah, it's... I think it's one of the worst mistakes in the story of all the characters. I always focus on Catelyn Stark, and I recently kind of apologized to the character of Catelyn Stark on on how much I focused on her decision to take Tyrion hostage and what that really did. I think it's a mistake. It definitely proves, bears out that it's a mistake, and, 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 and that point can be proved. But looking back, and now with the whole story in front of me, and behind me, I guess I should say, uh, you know, I'm sorry for being as harsh as I was on Kevin Stark. But Rob, oh, Rob, yeah, he definitely makes some mistakes. Makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, but this one is an interesting one. It's fascinating. I think, without a doubt, it's the mistake um, that more directly leads to his defeat. Yes, the decision to break the arrangement with Walder Frey is a mistake, uh, and it's uh, the mistake just before this. 
he needed to go back to correct that mistake. But the reason reason he needed to go back, really, is because he lost men. He lost warriors. He lost numbers. And he lost them because the car Starks and others looked around and said, no, thanks. Things aren't doing good here. We're heading home. And that has to do with the decision of Richard uh, beheading Richard Karstark. But the layers of mistakes. Trusting his mother, which isn't a mistake, giving her too much room to make some of her own mistakes, her releasing uh, Jamie Lannister, is that a bigger mistake? You can't expect him. I would not expect, nor would I want to see in this story or read in this story, Rob Stark beheading his mother for doing something wrong. No, he showed her mercy for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's his mother. And things are complicated. Ned is dead. They believe Sansa and Arya are being held captive, unaware that Arya is on the loose. Which is another interesting what if. What if they knew Arya was on the loose? Would they have stopped fighting and gone and gone and found her? I don't know. Another question for another day. So it's not a clear-cut mistake to not punish his mother more severely. Uh, to it's definitely her mistake to let Jamie loose. But with Brienne there, I mean, I can get behind it. I actually kind of can. The mistake is Richard Carstark's beheading. And Carstark, look. He made a mistake. Did some unjust killings of the Lannister cousins. Shouldn't go without punishment. Rob has Rob has very strong morals like his father, like his family. So he shows the morals on each side here. With his mother and, and her releasing of Jamie Lannister and the punishment, he's not going to take her head. He has morals. He's a good guy. It's not right. That wouldn't be right. It seems harsh. We're not going to do that. But on the flip side, he's got Richard Karstark. He's got his allies. But he did something wrong. Something wrong, Some a, a sin, a transgression that would normally be met with this action, a beheading. His father has done it. You, you got to think Will isn't the only Night's Watchman that Ned has beheaded that he's, eh, you know, not felt great about it. I love that conversation with Benjamin and Ned in season one, the pilot following the beheading. Benjamin saying, hey, he's a good kid. He was a good guy. Kind of the subtext being, might not have been crazy there, Ned. Things are happening. But Ned had to do his duty. And I think Rob has to do his duty here. But, like Vic said, it wasn't just one or two people saying, Rob, maybe we shouldn't do this. It was everybody. Everybody, including his own mother, who had been shown mercy by the king. So it's a mistake. It is a mistake. But Rob had backed himself into a lot of corners. And I don't think he's a cocky character. I think he's confident. But even uh, going on the show, going on the show, and Richard Madden, who just increasingly got better for me as Rob Stark. He was always good. He's a great actor, as we, we definitely see now, but just really grew into that role. I, I love him by season three. I really do. But I love the stuff uh, when Jamie's talking down to him 
you know, two victories don't make you a conqueror. Aye, but it's better than two defeats. Confident, a little cocky, but aware. I think Rob's very aware. So he's aware of the cost, but he did it anyway. Did it anyway. That's, it's an interesting thing, right? Jon Snow does it later on. Jano Slint. The beheading of Jano Slint is not a mistake, and one of us were rooting for it. But it was one of those, he could have shown mercy. But up there, you kind of need to show this strength. It's not necessarily the best thing. A little messed up. But he did it. He also kills those who killed him. Got to do it. Strong morals doesn't mean you're above these kind of punishments. In fact, sometimes it puts you in a place where you really hold to your principles. And that's where I go back to Rob in that moment. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think in the back of his mind, especially show Rob, which we get to know show Rob better, which George R. R. Martin himself will say, yeah, uh, he was not a point of view character and the show's done a great job of handling the show did. Oh, I still used to, he's not used to saying the show was in past tense. The show handled Rob Stark a little, little different, number one, and, and therefore a little better because you could spend time with him. I really do believe that the confident but not fully cocky Rob felt I made a mistake out of love for Talisa. I got to go back. I can go back and we'll make amends. So I can afford, it's going to be costly, but I can still afford the removal of Richard Karstark's head. And then maybe, just maybe, in these times where I show myself as a tough, strong, principled leader, maybe that will keep people around. Karstarks might go, but maybe some others will stick around. Maybe others will get it and see the strength. It didn't work that way. And then we know what happens at the Red Wedding. It is Rob Stark's worst mistake. But it's one that I could see him doing over and over again. It's also kind of one I think Ned Stark would have made as well. You have to do your duty. You have to stick to your principles. You have to show power. Sometimes the after effects ain't the best. All right. Let's go on with another phone call here, and then we'll take a little break, and we'll talk about a little bit of the Comic-Con stuff. A little bit, a little bit. You know what I mean? Let's take this question from our friend, Zach. Hey, Ken and the rest of Casually Talk. Zach here from up in Wisconsin. I had a bit of an interesting thought starter. I was talking to a buddy the other day at work, and he had never actually watched any of Game of Thrones up until it finally ended, and then he watched it all uh, with his wife. And it was interesting to kind of hear his thoughts after it was all, you know, wrapped up and watching it all at once. You know, he didn't have a lot of the problems that... uh, a lot of people seem to have with the ending and all that stuff. He saw it streamlined all the way through and was honestly kind of confused by all of the hate that it was getting. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was an uh, interesting kind of thought to have. Uh, let me know what you, th- what you think. Uh, bye. All right, Zach. I love this. I love this idea here. This happens a lot. I see this in Star Wars. People showing up a little bit later, watching the prequels from a different perspective or a different time or in a different order. 
it doesn't invalidate anyone else's uh, negative opinions or, or troubles with any property. If you have uh, a problem with uh, Game of Thrones, Season 8, Season 7, any of the seasons, this doesn't invalidate your thoughts and opinions on that. But I do love hearing this because I think this is the case. And I think it is a interesting thing about expectations. You hear me talking about that here over on Force Center where we have the statement and the, and, and the hashtag speculate responsibly. We even got the T-shirt of it there. I... I absolutely, uh, I think it's an indictment of it, quite frankly. You build up what the expectations, what you think is supposed to happen. And if you are invested from the beginning, season one, maybe you came on season two or three, by the time season eight rolls around, you are invested and you should be. So if you see something on the screen that you don't like, there's nothing cheap about that. That's real. But we have a lot of time with it. Between seven and eight, what do we have? A year and a half? Almost two years to wait to build this up? And you always hear creators say, eh, it's tough to make anybody happy. But that's really true. Time and time again, that is really, really true. It's tough to make any, everyone happy. But people seem to forget that. And we're going to talk about that uh, after the break, about... The thing that happened at Comic-Con. So, Zach, your friend, his wife, they're powering through it right now. They get to the end. What's the problem? They spent less time with it. Maybe they binged it three, four weeks or more, roughly. Maybe they went crazy, knocked it out in two weeks. You're spending less time with it. You're less invested. There's not a lot of waiting. You're not watching Alt-Shift-X on YouTube or listening to the history of Westeros or calling in to Casterly Talk. Listen to Daily Thrones back in the day. You're just enjoying the ride, and things are more connected. Things are more present, more uh, at the front of your mind. So it just makes sense that you look around and be like, what's the problem? This was great. Again, that's not to invalidate anyone else's problems with season eight or uh, some of the bigger problems. I've had, I've had very good friends of mine articulate off mic, oh, no, nowhere near Casterly Talk. Uh, why they didn't like it. And that's fine because that's their point of view and that's their opinion. And I have the ability to enjoy things even when I look, yeah, that little beat or plot point didn't work for me. That thread didn't work for me. Hot damn, this is still my favorite show of all time. And I think a lot of you listening are are in the same boat. But a lot of you listening uh, aren't. Um, Fascinating phenomenon. Does anyone else have examples of that? I want to know. Any other family members, close friends are going, I'm going to give this Game of Thrones thing a try. Wow, that season was great. Why has everyone got a problem with it? Interesting case study. I don't have the research money or the science lab coat to do the research, but maybe we should put that together. On the other side of this break, we are going to talk about fans' expectations and booing the actors you love. It's all here on Casterly Talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. We're back here on Casterly Talk. I hope you enjoyed the break. What'd you do during the break? Did you contemplate your life? Think about some what ifs. I want more what ifs. We're not done. This is a fun conversation, especially when it's just me on these episodes where I have to go solo because then I'm not alone. I'm with you and your thoughts and your opinions. And that is what makes Casterly Talk one of the more interactive Game of Thrones shows out there. Your voice matters to this show. Speaking of voices, love hearing from this voice. Great young broadcaster out in the world. Say hello. Alden Diaz. Hey, Ken, it's Alden Diaz here. Just had a question about rewatching the show and context and how things inform later scenes or earlier scenes. I'm rewatching the show now with my girlfriend. We just passed season six uh, after the resurrection of John. And I was thinking about Sir Alistair Thorne, you know, a character who obviously none of us were really fans of, despite the fact that it was a good performance and well written. It struck me that he says to John, you know, you'll be fighting their battles forever. And how that beautifully comes back when John is able to leave and is able to go and find his own path and his own life with Ghost and Tormund and the rest of the free folk. Uh, it just seemed like it added so much weight to that moment because you know it probably stuck with John. I'm curious as we revisit earlier seasons and earlier scenes now, what for you personally has been made better with all of the added context? A line, a moment? Just let me know. Thanks for so much for doing the show, Ken. We really appreciate it. Alden Diaz. Alden, Alden, I say things wrong all the time. <laughs> Mr. Diaz with a great call. You just got me excited, man. You got me excited. I hope you listening are excited about going back and revisiting Game of Thrones, HBO's Game of Thrones, now that all seasons are in the books. When Casually Talk first kind of emerged back on the scene after we switched over from the old Daily Thrones days, that's one of the things I was doing. Went back through season one and two especially season one, and kind of took uh, another look at things that now we have a, a, you know, a chance to look back. And this was before season eight, as we were going into season eight. So now it's even more powerful. So some of my favorite moments are there early on. And I want to go back and really, really focus on it in some of the later seasons so I can give you an even better answer. But uh, the final moments line, those moments are always uh, the best. Uh, Benjen returning to Jon uh, Snow in, in a very similar fashion. It's not quite shot for shot as, as I've put out there before on previous broadcasts, but Benjen going back to Winterfell to join the feast and coming in to find uh, Jon Snow swinging that sword. It's uh, all very uh, all very similar, you know, so it means more. Catelyn Stark and Ned Stark's last embrace. All those kind of things, they really do add up. But let's talk Alistair Thorne. Sir Alistair Thorne. All right. Uh, it's no surprise. I've mentioned it before. But you guys know I like my crusty, crusty characters. My crusty old men characters. I like Alistair Thorne. Is he, is he a... Bad guy? From a certain point of view. Eh, the whole murdering of uh, Jon Snow. All right, that's not nice. That's not nice. He didn't like Jon. 
But, hey, look, I have to admit, sometimes when I watch A Few Good Men and Nicholson's uh, Colonel Jessup's speech, if you want me on that wall, you need me on that wall, you sleep under the blanket of freedom I provide and then question the way I provide it, that whole sequence, sometimes I listen to that and go, yeah, yeah, oh, is he supposed to be the bad guy? I don't think so. I'll be honest with you. You might not agree with that, but that's kind of sometimes my point of view. So Alistair Thorne's one of those guys for me. He's hard and harsh because he has to be. Benjamin Stark doesn't treat Tyrion Lannister nice at all. And it's because he's a Lannister. And they know, yeah, Starks and Lannisters never really have got along. He's nice to Jon Snow, but he's harsh. We're talking about Benjamin, he's harsh to Snow at first. You haven't earned the right to range north of me. You, you, you know, he's, he's on him. But Benjamin's definitely nicer, definitely softer, at least on the surface, than Alistair Thorne. But I think he's of the same jib. We do like the cut of these jibs. Well, not everyone does. Let me read. I've talked about this quote. And as you all know, I'm bad with quotes. So let me get it 100% right. One of my favorite quotes, not just in the show, but in life. I'm big on the leadership quotes, but not the Yoda quotes or a cat hanging on a branch saying, hang in there. I love what it actually is and means to be a leader and a boss, which are the same thing and two different things. And you need to be good at both. But Alistair Thorne to season four, talking to Jon Snow after he's been, again, particularly harsh to Jon Snow. Do you know what leadership means, Lord Snow? It means that the person in charge gets second-guessed by every clever little twat with a mouth. But if he starts second-guessing himself, that's the end. For him, the clever little twats, for everyone. I love that exchange. There's so much truth in that exchange. If you don't understand that or you don't agree, we will agree to disagree. That, to me, is what it is to be at the front. Alistair Thorne made a mistake. He did make a mistake. Did not heed Jon Snow's advice. A mistake in leadership. But he knows that this decision has to work now. They have to hold the gate. Thank you, Gren. I love it. I love Thorne. I love when he gets his moment a little bit later. Goes down, saves the day. Gets pulled away, pulled to safety. And I hate him when he does what he does to John. But those words that Alan is focusing on, I think, again, are true. They're very true. And though it's not verbally at the forefront of Jon Snow's mind. He doesn't say in season eight, oh, you know what? My old friend Allie Thorne once said to me, I'll be fighting your battles. But man, that's the kind of context I love when Game of Thrones gets deeper than you even thought. The story is in front of us now. Go back and look at it. Go back and watch it. You'll see it again for the first time. You better believe, you better believe that at some point during his darkest final moments, and by final moments, I'm talking about death, John already died, but I'm talking about Jon Snow. After killing Danny, after doing all these horrible things and he's left alone to rot, to contemplate his fate, to contemplate what's next, he is the chosen king, right? At the Iron Throne is his by right. We've heard that before. We know what it does to people. We, we see, he sees 
what the pursuit of it does to Danny. I got to imagine at one point those crusty old words from Sir Alistair Thorne on on death's door, you'll be fighting their battles forever. That is why I love the Jon Snow ending. That is why. That's what this character deserves. And very often in Game of Thrones, characters don't get what they deserve. I'm talking about good and bad things. Even Joffrey dies and people say, he didn't die bad enough. I wanted more for his death. He didn't get what he deserves, but that's part of the lesson. Baelish dies. He probably got what he deserved, but did he deserve that? Did Varys deserve that? Tyrion rises to the hand of the king again, but I still think it's kind of a punishment. I love the idea that Jon Snow, the king by right, the king by bloodline, the chosen one, destiny's child, Azor Ahai reborn most likely, yes. None of that matters. Because if he had taken his, quote, rightful place, he'd be fighting all these battles. It would consume him. And Jon Snow spent most of his life looking for a bigger place than he thought he had. And he spent most of his life fighting for those beneath him, in front of him, above him, aside. He's been fighting battles, doing the right thing. And the one group of people that he did the most right thing for, the free folk, say, aye, we're out of here. Come with us. I think it was the best decision that John could make. But I think with given the choice, given what he said the whole series, John didn't want to do much leadership. Look what he went to went through when he became the king of the north. He doesn't want that. It's not a bad spot. I want Sansa to have it. I, I like Tyrion in the hand of the king. Danny had some great moments of leadership. But I don't want Jon Snow to have to deal with that. Because that's real. Tolkien never had to write about Aragorn's tax policies. That's what George R. R. Martin has said and what I have said several times on this show. Jon Snow would have taken the Iron Throne, what was left of it, taken the position, taken the crown, ruled the seven, or was it, would it be six kingdoms? That's another what if. Would Sansa have stayed in the, uh, kept the north in the kingdom if uh, John was ruling? Maybe, but I still think Sansa liked the idea. I don't mean that like an ego way. I think she, she knew it was important, again, very important for the north to be its own sovereign land, sovereign kingdom. But if Jon Snow had done all that, he would have, he would have been dealing with this stuff forever fighting their battles. Thorne didn't necessarily say it nicely. He didn't think highly of the free folk. Didn't call him that. I understand that. Thorne wasn't saying something like, you know what, John, in the end, as you kill me, I kind of like you. You should take a vacation. 
but his words were right. A lot of Thorne's words are right. He's just not always right. That's why I love this show. I love this story. I can't wait to go back. And let's close today with a little Comic-Con wrap-up. The panel happened. A look back. Not a lot of people there. Dan and David didn't show up. Are you surprised? Are you surprised? Number one, they're busy. Comic-Con can take a lot out of you. Also, look what's already happened to them. Emerging from your bunker to face the slings and arrows. Eh, If you don't have to, you don't owe us anything. I'm okay with it. But Nikolaj Koster-Waldo, he showed up. And we talked a lot about his comments previously. He was speaking at the Con of Thrones event and pretty open, pretty upset at some of the backlash. San Diego Comic-Con, Hall H, the big panel, he does it again. And the fans boo him. Boo him. I don't think it was the entire crowd. In fact, according to fans in attendance, writes NME, NME, Costa Waldo was booed by members of the audience when he described Jamie and Cersei's death, which saw them die in each other's arms, buried on the rubble, under the keep. And he believes, Waldo believes that this was the best ending for the characters. Fans booed that. I got a huge problem with that, but I'm not going to rail against anybody. And again, you might be listening too. Uh, this goes back to what I said at the beginning of the show. I, I, I never aim to be disrespectful to anyone's opinions. I can roll up my sleeves and pound my fists, and I have my thoughts. I think season eight was great. I Great. And particularly this ending. It wasn't the ending I expected or wanted. It took me a moment to process. But their messed up love was a true love. Season two, Jamie Lannister to Catelyn Stark talking about how, you know, based on information, he was more a loyal and a just moral man in a weird way than Ned, who stepped out on you, cat. Now, it's not true, but based on the evidence, that's another one of those hard truths. Jamie wasn't the best, but in that moment, particularly early in the season, we hated him right up into these points, but he starts saying those things that are right, even though you don't want to face them. Their love was a true love. Twisted as, twisted as that is. Twisted as that is. But here, in the end, they're in each other's arms. Here it's Brienne, who breaks her heart and costs him his life, but he knows it. And Cersei dies buried beneath the collapsing rubble of, of the kingdom she craved. The kingdom she wanted, she was killed by everything she desired. Consumed. Killed by it. and But ended up, last moments, with some humanity with the, the, the person she loved. I love that ending. Apparently, Jamie Lannister himself did too. But if you felt the need to boo him, so be it, Jedi. It's so weird when actors, you know, form these opinions. And 
we can use them to bolster our own facts and points of views and opinions, too. I just did it. I just did it. See, Jamie Lannister likes it. You should, too. That's not always true. You can still disagree with Jamie Lannister himself. I just don't want you to boo him. People use Mark Hamill's words all the time. And they twist them and they take them out of context or they completely misread what he's trying to say. And he said some things that are, you know, in full context. You look at it and go, oh, he's, he definitely doesn't like certain things. But then you see something else and it counteracts it. And then if you just kind of know who he is by watching his interviews over the years, he is kind of a joker. He's kind of mischievous. But you can grab what you want and use it for your means. Galaxy's Edge is empty. Star Wars has failed. People are tired of it. I got people there this week, and they're like, Galaxy's Edge is not empty. But you can take little snippets of it and use it against you. Case in point, Conleth Hill, Varys, had had an interview... um, had an interview going on. I remember, remember this came out where he he seemed to be upset about Varys's ending, and that wasn't right. Conneth Hill has said that the backlash level of the show's final season uh, was a media-led hate campaign. So don't say that Conneth Hill hated season eight. These are actors; they're invested. You watch that table read when Varys dies. Conleth Hill is, is emotional. Lena Hetty gives him a pat like on the arm. It's okay. Everyone is moved. They're broken. Jon Snow, Kit Harrington, man, you see him reacting to all these things. I love that stuff. These are actors that are invested. Of course they're going to be upset. Of course Mark Hamill's going to be like, you're killing Lukov? All right. Doesn't mean it's right or wrong in the end. But don't be careful how much you use it. Again, even using the positive things, I, I just reinforces my opinion of it. But it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a fact. Conleth wanted to say, "I did an interview with Entertainment Weekly way after we'd finished the show. The question was, how did you feel at the time?" I was very honest that I was gutted to get so close and not make the end. Remember, there was kind of an I'm, I'm very much paraphrasing here. Uh, oh, the actor who plays Varys, uh, you know, didn't like the way his character's death was handled. Uh, no. He's saying at that time, I wanted to go to the end when eight seasons. I was gutted. I'm so close to the character. He says, uh, so I thought I'd give a very honest answer to how I felt, but I put that in context of uh, the one of the risks, is, uh, that's one of the risks of being in a multi-character show. So don't believe all those those headlines and these actors again we talked about a lot last week they should be they're invested they're invested i don't want to get on a rant myself we're supposed to have a lot of fun but anyways i hope that's i hope that's behind us i hope that's behind us and just like empire strikes back uh, hated in some circles at first uh, grew and grew and grew to have a greater appreciation Yes, by many, it was received immediately as the classic that it was and is. But as we know, if you go back and look at some of the reviews, and I'm not, this, this New Hope reviews, 
that's different. But the Empire Strikes Back, like, ah, how could they do this? It's just something that keeps happening again and again. It is a wheel. And we'll never break the wheel. You're just going to have to ride it out. We love celebrating Game of Thrones here on Casterly Talk, and I love hearing your voices. If you've got a what if, or a worse mistake, or thoughts on booing actors at Comic-Cons, we want to hear about it. And anything else, too. I love all your thoughts, all your questions, all your experiences. Fuel the fire in this show and happy to do it here. We will roll on, but don't forget, you can reach out and find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ken Knapsack or like my official Facebook page. I have a website, KenNapsack.com. You can find out information on a lot of my shows and where to buy my book, Why We Love Star Wars, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, Target.com. It's out there. If you love Star Wars, let's celebrate that together with that book. Uh, Coming up August 24th, I'll be up in my hometown of Royal Grande, part of the Central Coast Film Society's presentation of Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. I'll be doing a Q&A, all those kind of wonderful things. Go to centralcoastfilmsociety.org for more information and tickets. All right. Maybe one day we'll do something with Game of Thrones, too. That is it for now. You guys are the best. Let's keep this celebration of the greatest show of all time with apologies to the A-Team. Let's keep it going. We'll see you next time here on Casterly Talk.